0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: I left you on a cliffhanger with the last podcast episode. I thought we were going to go through all 10 of my favorite habits from what the happiest retirees know, research that's culminated over the last decade, and we didn't get to all 10. So today we're going to get to some of my favorite categories like love and home or housing habits, and probably the best of the bunch, family habits, which not only deals with the money relationship you have with your kids, but geographically as well. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Podcast episode number 22 was with Tom Vanderbilt. Why lifelong learning is something that you need to do as an adult. His book, Beginners, was all about the power of lifelong learning. Do new stuff, no matter how old you are. And even though I don't think it matters what those core pursuits are, just matters that you have them, for what it's worth, number one core pursuit of the happy retiree is volunteering. Which leads me to number five, speaking of volunteering, a great place to do that happens to be at church. So number five is about faith habits. Happy retirees have a propensity, not all of them, but have a propensity to belong to a church. And they enjoy helping and giving to others and i'm not saying you have to go to church to be a happy retiree but i did ask the question i have done the research on this and it is interesting that happy retirees go to church at least and this is actually attending church at least twice a year now you might call these folks cheesters or meaning they go to church on christmas and easter but even if you only go to church twice a year you kind of have to have a church to go to twice a year, which means you belong to a church. And even if you only go to church a few times a year, and if you're a member of a church, this may resonate, the church is constantly reaching out. Hey, wanna know about your kids joining this, or love for them to be part of that, or love for you to help with this, and I saw that you did this for a living, we'd love for you to talk to our group about that. And through my research, if you ended up saying you go to church at least once a week, and by the way, my own pastor from my Presbyterian church will say that the people that say they go to church every week, they still only on average go to church 1.7 times per month. It's a little different than the four times that you would imagine. We go to church every week, which means one or two times a month in the real world. But if you're reporting that you go to church once a week, then you are one and a half times more likely to be an a trap And I don't know how much this has to do with faith or who you believe in or what you believe in or how you believe, and I'm not even here to debate that. I'm, But I do know that that a place of worship is a powerful place to build a community. In the book, I talk about a group that started as a men's Bible study in just one church that ended up becoming a Monday night brewing gathering, if you will, as in beer brewing that ended up becoming an actual brewery that ended up expanding beyond a brewery. And now it's an entire business. And it all started at a place of worship in a Bible study with a couple of guys that liked to brew beer together. And this group, this powerful network that they've created is a perfect example of how faith has led to building an entire community. Which leads me to number six, social habits of happy retirees. And over my years I've asked this question less about friendship and more about, the term I use here is close connections. And a close connection is someone that you confide in about something really important. It might be heavy, it might be light, it might be a great day or a terrible day, but you don't really tend to talk about extremes. Great things are really difficult things with somebody who's just not close. You don't talk to a stranger about a terrible day at work or a difficult life event. Similarly, you don't talk to a stranger about an extraordinary, let's say, life event, good news, or at least in depth. So a close connection is someone you will share extreme news with, number one. Number two, you'll actually have a conversation and want their advice as well. And that's a close connection. So is that a friendship? Yes, absolutely. A close connection is a friend. But it can also be someone within your family that is both a sibling and a best friend. And these are important, I would say essential. And by the way, a lot of the research I do, particularly with money, we see this plateauing relationship where more is better in a significant way and then more starts to become less better or diminishing marginal happiness relative to more money. That relationship doesn't stand here. There seems to be no plateau when it comes to the number of close connections you have in your life. It just keeps getting better. So two is better than three and three is better than four and five is better than three and so on. And the statistics are that unhappy retirees average 2.6 close connections, less than three, let's say. Happy retirees, 3.6 are close to four. Might not sound like a lot, but it's an entire close connection in life. I sat on this journey thinking about social habits and close connections when I got to know Dan Buettner, who's the author of Blue Zones. And he talks about social connections in the context of longevity. For example, part of Japanese or Okinawan culture, one of the places where people live the longest in the world on average, or at least the highest percentage of centenarians, women in Okinawa have something called MOAs, which are groups of five women who pledge friendship or a close connection for life. It's one of the important ingredients for our own longevity. When it comes to these social habits, happy retirees also see close connections. And by the way, I guess close connections are also just, they're humans, they're humans. So more humans in your life is a good thing. And seeing those close connections is important too. It's not enough just to have five wonderful friends from long lost past that you never see and never talk to. They don't really count. You've got to have interactivity with that group.
0: Look, Bumble knows
1: you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now here's a kind of a fun one, is that there's a, a magical boost, if you will. In fact, if you never travel with friends, reportedly, on average, you end up below the happiness line. But just traveling with friends once a year... And you're two and a half more times likely to be a happy retiree three times a year you're 4x four times more likely to be an atrop. again i don't know what the science is behind this but perhaps it's just a mark of close friendships that you're able to stand each other away from home so these social habits according to dan Butner, the stronger those social connections and ties are the better for your longevity from my perspective the higher propensity to become a happy retiree and so important to maintain it too it's not just enough to have this network it's important to have a social epicenter so you can continue to grow and evolve this network in the early 1990s one of the things dan butner taught me or one of the statistics that i've find fascinating is that in the 1990s americans reported that they averaged three really close connections Let's just call it three close friends. Fast forward to the world we live in today, where Facebook has over 2 billion users. I saw on LinkedIn today over 500 million users. We're all connected on these social networks. Yet today, the average American reports less than two close connections. That's not happy retirees. That to me sounds like a lot of unhappy campers. Now, speaking of that, the next set of habits we'll go into has to do with health. What are the health habits of happy retirees? Let's start with something I know very little about, which is diet and nutrition. I'm by no means an expert here at all, and I have no recommended diet for you over the happy retiree. Now, I, I actually do see in my research, I asked about diet to try to discern if there is a particular way of living or eating that seems to be healthier slash happier, there's a lot that points to a Mediterranean diet, which I'm not gonna put a whole lot of stock in that because I don't know if that's any better than any other diet. However, what I find is the intentionality around being healthy and eating healthy and focusing on a nutritious, healthy diet. Happy retirees really do care about what they put in their bodies. And whether it's Mediterranean or it's keto or it's Whole30 or many other ways to approach this, what matters is you have an approach and it's not completely haphazard. And that clearly points toward living a healthier, more joyful life. Because if you're healthy, you can participate in the other part of the equation when it comes to health habits for happy retirees, and that's the ings. Meaning, if I go back to curiosity and look at core pursuits, many of the top core pursuits of Abbey Retiree are athletic endeavors. It's also what I refer to as the ings, walking, biking, hiking, running, jogging, swimming. These are just activities that involve some sort of motion, activity, exercise. Now yoga doesn't have an ing, but yoga shows up in the list and that's another form of exercise. In fact, I've written about a happy retiree couple in in the book what the happiest retirees now they travel all over the country there's this cool map on the wall of different states they've been to and they carry their yoga mats with them and they're doing yoga no matter where they are if it's a parking lot a campground a state park no matter where they are that's one of their ings even though you can't say yoga ing out of curiosity i also asked when it comes to health I wanted to know about alcohol consumption or do happy retirees drink versus not drink. And I found no relationship between the two. It wasn't as though happy retirees drank alcohol or didn't drink alcohol. Just no relationship between the two. However, when you survey a large group of happy retirees, it is interesting what shows up is the drink of choice for happy retirees. Number one on the list is white wine. Number two is gin. What? Now, since we're on a lighter topic, let's move into maybe a sweeter topic, which is love. What are the love habits of happy retirees? And of course, so much of this centers around marriage. There's a lot of introspection that we can do when it comes to the life cycle of a marriage. What what does marriage look like in the first five to seven years, seven to 10? 10 to 20 and so forth. And I've always been interested about that because we go through these different financial stages of our lives. Early on, we have no kids, we have honeymoon, all the money's for us. What's that do to our marital happiness or bliss? Then we get the sticker shock of spending money on children. It's not just about you or us anymore. It's about the kids and that can get really costly And then the kids go to college and it gets even more costly and then they leave the nest and now it's back to just you and me and us and that weighs on your psyche. And then we get to a stage where, hey, we've made it this far. Let's just keep going. But do we have enough money to retire together comfortably? Yet another phase. So it is fascinating. And because money is topic almost numero uno when it comes to marriage or at least divorce as finances land in the top five reasons people get divorced if you study marriage slash divorce financial problems ranks way above most other reasons people get divorced and the second only to some of the really big ones like infidelity and lack of respect but again i'm not a nutritionist And I'm also not a marriage counselor, but I do like to study the relationship that money has in these different parts of our lives. And it's very clear to me that we go through these different phases. Now I'm not gonna, I'm gonna probably, actually I will do a whole podcast about what I call the marriage and happiness timeline in relation to our finances. I'm not gonna do that today, but I have an entire chart and a big chunk of a chapter about that. But what is, Important, though, to take away from today's episode is that if you're unmarried in retirement, you're four and a half times more likely to land in the unhappy camp. That that one is loud and clear. It doesn't mean that you have to be married and that single is certainly okay, and as long as you're active and connected and socially engaged. But for my research, being married and having a life partner in retirement is a huge ingredient in this family Italian recipe that we're trying to make work. It was also interesting that getting divorced isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I saw no material impact for those who had been divorced one time, meaning that those who had never been divorced and just stayed married relative to those who had been divorced and needed a marriage mulligan, same levels of happiness. Where we started to see happiness levels decline was in marriage number three and certainly – Marriage number four. Happiness levels really plummeted when the the number of marriages started to stack up, which leads us from love to home. Habits around where we live and housing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for
0: select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Well, this one I've talked about long before this current book it was actually from you can retire sooner than you think some of my original research around the money habits of happy retirees. And that's very simply is this as years to pay off mortgage goes down, happiness levels go up. In fact, those who are within five years of paying off the mortgage are four times more likely to be happy. Hey, light at the end of the tunnel. I'm almost done writing this monthly check to Wells Fargo or Bank of America. And from a, a housing cost perspective, Happy retirees, they live in nice houses, but they don't necessarily live in mansions. The average house of the happy retiree in the 2020 world, and this is following the massive housing price run up that America experienced after the kind of the bottom of the pandemic in 2021. We had this massive surge in housing prices, but the average happy retiree home is in the high fives, call it just under $600,000 range. Which leads me to category number 10, or area number 10, from home now to family. And I'm ending with this one because this one is, to me, one of my favorites. Because there's this massive relationship dynamic that is between parents and children. And it's different when they're babies versus they're toddlers versus they're tweeners versus teenagers versus adults versus grown adults. But what I found very simply is that even though we want our kids to be independent, as a parent, that's my dream is for my children to be not leave me and my wife, but be independent so that I don't have to support them. But I do find it very interesting. And I think the numbers tell a real story here is that unhappy retirees actually spend more money per month on their adult children than atrops. You, Rob, spend on average $700 per month on their adult children. Eight jobs around 500 bucks. If you're spending over $2,000 a month, you are four times more likely to end up in the unhappy camp. And I think that is because as a parent, you haven't had the pleasure of, or the peace of mind of your children leaving the nest. We want our kids to be independent. And even though we want to be able to help take care of our children, it starts to wear on the psyche of an adult when you're paying for more than just trips to Disney World. These monthly payments are for things like cars and mortgages and private school education that sometimes adult children can't afford and they come back to those who are in this retirement zone and it puts added pressure. It's hard enough to be able to have enough money to afford your own retirement. It's a whole nother ball game when you're also still having to take care of grown children. Now, as much as we don't really want to have to support our children while we're in retirement and we don't want them to actually live at home. And there's statistics I have around that. If your kids are living at home, if your adult children are living at home is a huge negative impact on your retirement happiness. But as much as we don't want our kids to have to live with us, we do want them nearby in retirement. You got to live near at least 25% of your adult children. The magic number from from my research, and I actually asked this question, what is the proximity you have to your adult children? 50% is really this magic number. In fact, once you live near essentially half of your kids, and this goes from living near half, and when I say near, within driving distance, let's call it a couple of hours, you are two to five times more likely to end up as a happy retiree. So such an important ingredient in this overall formula, which is we want to be able to live near at least half our kids. More is better. Same neighborhood is great. 30 minutes away, great. Even in the same state, unless maybe it's Texas, great. Because that means we can still be in contact. We can still see each other. And guess what? We can still interact when now the adult children have kids and happy retirees love their grandkids. Again, there's no perfect formula for the happy retiree, but there are 30 different traits that I've found over the years that really do move the meter. And while few Even happy retirees nail all 30 of these. And we went over kind of the 10 main categories today on this episode. They get a lot of them right. And to me, because financial planning is such a non-black and white endeavor, meaning that there are usually multiple answers to your question or multiple paths to get to where you need to be. I like to use this research as a set of financial tiebreakers that can help us make these life, social, health, and financial decisions based on more than just money. And that's why I've spent so much time, and so much effort over the years, and I'm just so fascinated in learning from The Happy Retiree. Now, speaking of, depending on when you're listening to this or not, the book, What the Happy Retirees Know, is coming out this fall. It's called it October of 2021, but pre-orders are available right now. And of course, you can find the book on Amazon, What the Happiest Retirees Know, 10 Habits for a Healthy, Secure, and Joyful Life. And if you pre-order it on Amazon, then you can go to my website, put in the pre-order code, and get a free companion workbook that you'll have access to. And there's no cost on that. You go to westmoss.com, it's right on the homepage. All you have to do is put in your pre-order code, and voila! You get a companion workbook that you'll also get when the book comes out in October. We're talking October, 2021. If this stuff resonates with you, spread the word. Maybe it's a friend who's retiring that would love this info. Maybe it's a friend who's going through a divorce that needs to hear it's okay to have a marriage mulligan. Maybe it's a friend who just hates work. Maybe it's one of your maybe close connections with an adventurous spirit or a friend that loves money and life books or maybe just a friend that's trying to get their kids off the payroll. I think there's something in this for anybody thinking about the next phase of life. And I hope you enjoy it.
0: Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. information.